Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Well, on our podcast today, I'm really excited to have Ty Detmer with us. You know, Ty is someone that I have admired uh, from a distance for many years, like so many of you. Uh, He was just such an awesome, exciting football player to watch, but we always knew there was more to him than just football. The way that he carried himself, his presence, his relationship with his teammates, the pranks, the practical jokes, uh, but also uh, his deep love of the gospel and his passion for it. Ty Demmer is one of the most heralded players in BYU history, winning the Heisman Trophy in 1990 and holding school records for passing yards, touchdowns, and total offense, among other several uh, records. He was a two-time consensus All-American, two-time winner of the Davey O'Brien Award, and also won the Maxwell Award and the Sammy Baugh Trophy. A college football Hall of Fame inductee, Detmer spent 14 years in the NFL, with five different teams and was widely recognized for his mentoring role with quarterback uh, teammates, including Brett Favre, Tim Couch, Michael Vick, and Matt Schwab. Following his NFL career, Ty has been coaching uh, Texas high school football uh, at St. Andrews Episcopal School. He coached there for some time. Then you know that after that, he went on to uh, become the offensive coordinator at BYU from 2015 to 2017. Now Ty is the head coach and athletic director at American Leadership Academy in Queen Creek, Arizona. Ty is married to Kim. They've been this summer will be 32 years of marriage. They have four daughters and three grandchildren. And it is an it is an honor and a privilege to have Ty Detmer on the Preserving Families podcast today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, this is going to be cool because the whole idea is uh is to is to get to know you in a way that so many people know so much about the football stuff, but they don't know as much about the the background of what goes on with Ty Detmer as a dad, as a as a husband, and now as a grandfather, right? Of <laughs> three, right. Grand, three grandchildren. Any any boys in that mix of the three? Yeah, our oldest uh, case in is four, so we got got some boys coming into the family finally, son-in-laws and and grandchildren. So. Oh, Ty, that's so awesome. So here's, uh, this is off script, but I have to ask, greatest prank that you've ever pulled on a teammate? <laughs> well, I think at, at BYU, we uh, we had a luau one time, and uh, <laughs> I was able to come away with the head of the pig, and uh, <laughs> it ended up in Michael Bryan's bed somehow, so. <laughs> You'll ne- we'll never know how that happened, but. Uh, right. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't. I don't know how you. I don't know Ty if you ever watched The Office back in the old days when it was kind of clean and funny. But I just always imagine you as Jim. You're Jim, and and and, and Chris is, is Dwight. <laughs> yeah, kind of looks the part. So we had to, <laughs> to see Chris last weekend too. So <laughs> oh, that's oh no. I saw you guys together in that interview. That was so fun to see. 
Okay, another another off script question. How's Max and his Achilles? Has he had to have a surgery yet, or what's going on there? I talked to him this morning, and he's getting ready to. Uh, he's trying to figure out doctor and all that, but I think by the end of the week he'll probably have that repaired. So yeah, crazy deal. So he's uh, they they've speeded up a lot more. I had mine done in in two thousand, and uh, it was like a three month deal just to get out of the boot. Now he said it should be weight bearing in about a month. So uh, they, they kind of figured out uh, how to speed up the recovery. So that'll be good for him. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, usually an Achilles is like, you're out for a, you missed an entire football season, didn't you? In the NFL with an Achilles. I did. And that's most cool. do just because of the, the fear of re-tearing it and things like that. But um, sure. since he, not uh, playing ball anymore. It, it'll probably speed up a little bit, but he'll have to be careful. Oh, that's well. I, I'm glad that he's he's back safe. So, you, I guess you never really assume that you're going to rip your Achilles in half in a celebration. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, how not, that's not how Max scripted that. I'm sure. So, I want it to be something cool, not uh, <laughs> jumping around taunting the other team a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, that's so true. Well, Ty, here's my here's my. Uh, my first question for you today, but I, I just, uh, from, from an outsider looking in have really enjoyed just kind of watching your career from a distance and your family from a distance and, and know that you grew up in an awesome home with Sonny and Betty. And, uh, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that. I know your dad's gone now, but just what was it like growing up in that home? What did your parents focus on and emphasize it? Just anytime I see video footage, it feels like this is the typical Texas family with a, a little Christian center, but a little football center and a lot of fun mixed in. And what was that like growing up in that house? Yeah, it was kind of what you described a little bit. I mean, you know, we weren't a perfect family by any means, but um, we uh, we did a strong Christian household. Um, football, obviously, is a big part of our lives with my dad being a high school football coach and, and uh, just sports in general. And and so, you know, our downtime was filled with sports as well, playing golf or uh, out shooting a basketball or whatever it might have been. So right. um, it's kind of a typical middle class uh, family life, you know, growing up in, in San Antonio. And so I'm, I'm guessing your parents emphasized uh, a work ethic of sorts, you know, that you guys were expected to do some some work, but also a lot of that was in sports, right? It was, uh, you know, my dad, he was a big believer. And when I was in high school, he was like, you know, you really don't need to have a job. You're not going to have time, you know, so we'll, we'll take care of things and did some odd jobs, mowed the yard and, and a few of those things to earn some extra money. But, um, most of it was spent putting time into athletics and whatever season it was, I, I played five sports in high school. So, you know, you're just going, going, going. And, uh, and so there wasn't a lot of time for a, a real job, but that kind of right. became the work for us. And and him being a football coach, he knew what what went into that as far as the off seasons and and trying to put weight on and all those yeah. things. Was would you say, Ty, your religion was it was kind of going to church on Sundays, or were there things taught in the home about about you know gospel topics? Yeah, um, we were kind of a, a holiday. Uh, family you know we, we my dad's weekends were kind of his free time especially on Sunday and so those right. were time spent together doing something as a family usually and and uh so we didn't attend the church services a lot but we would uh we definitely you know had 
had Christian beliefs, you know, kind of built into what we did at home and, and uh, would talk about those from time to time. So Ty, a lot of, uh, a lot of people over the years have always talked about you as being a, a coach on the field. And, and my guess is a lot of that came from growing up in the home with a, a coach in your living room. But and then I've heard you say in other places that it wasn't, it wasn't that your dad was talking X's and O's. It was kind of almost more by osmosis, right? That uh, he would, it just kind of happened. Tell us about that a little bit of how that worked. Yeah. Growing up, uh, you know, when he became a head coach, I was probably, I don't know, eight or 10 at the time. And he would have his coaches meetings at the house and every, you know, most Sunday nights they were watching film and it was, it was back then it was film. It was the old projector with the clicker that would go back <laughs> and forth. And so I'd end up laying on the floor, just watching, uh, watching the film. And it was always funny to see a guy running backwards or, you know, if there was a pass of, you know, they'd, play it and then they'd replay it and, and right so, uh so <laughs> you know I was just around I wasn't being talked to about it all but I was around it and I always tell people you know if, if your dad's a carpenter you're probably going to learn how to handle a hammer and and uh some of the things go along with it and so my dad was a football coach so I just kind of picked up things along the way yeah no that I think that's so awesome I was I was actually watching a little film last night or a little uh, video that I found. And uh, it was uh, it was your dad being interviewed and talking about how he wasn't going to coach you guys. He wasn't going to coach any of his boys. And then he saw you play. I, I think you were what, what 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 year was it that you were on the, the Longhorns? Was that? Uh, well, that was fourth through, I think, uh, sixth grade. So we uh, yeah. played Longhorns you were in sixth grade and you were already kind of sizing up the defense and, and, uh, and uh, slicing it up like a, like a surgeon, so to speak. And uh, he saw you throwing over defenders and he was like, I think I actually will coach this guy. <laughs> smart, smart yeah, season, he, right? You know, he, he didn't want to be that dad, you know, that, that you all hear horror stories about and coaching your kids. And, and uh, that wasn't his personality anyway, you know, so uh, but I think that was the fear was the competitive juices would get going. And, and uh, but, you know, I, I really enjoyed playing for him. I didn't have that. I never saw that out of him. You know, it was and he was that way with our whole team. You know, we played back then in the late 80s. Nobody was really throwing the ball much and we were throwing it. and We had a loose group and, and he allowed us to play and have fun playing. He taught us the game. But um you know, we were able to have fun and, and uh, enjoy playing the game. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. How did your dad build a relationship with you guys? You know, outside of, because in your family, there's there's you, you're the oldest, right, Ty? And then there's right. Koi, and then there's a there's a sister in there somewhere, uh, right? Two sisters, so it's me and, and my sister Dee, and then Koi, and then youngest sister, Lori. Yeah. Um, Aside from football, then how did how did dad build relationships with you guys? We just, you know, we spent a lot of time watching games on TV. We, you know, like I said, we played golf. And, uh, you know, I remember I was probably, you know, 14, 15, and my brother was 10. And we would go play every Sunday afternoon, go play nine holes in the spring and summer. And, and uh, you know, that was kind of his time with the boys. And, just normal family stuff. We'd take a vacation, you know, every now and then. And, and, uh, we didn't have, we didn't have very much money, so we didn't do any big, big extravagant deals, but we, uh, we just, you know, spent a lot of time as a family hanging out or family reunions or, um, sure. different, 
that. So, well, that's really awesome. I love that. And and once again, it doesn't have to be expensive. I, it wasn't like in our day, we were doing these Disney cruises and uh, <laughs> we're just going to grandpa's house, you know, around the corner or whatever. So I know. <laughs> Ty, this is a, I was going to ask you this later, but I think it fits now perfectly because there's, there's something that you and I have in common in a way. So we have in our family, seven daughters and one son, you have four daughters. Yeah. And, uh, I feel bad about this because I once read an article about Elder Holland where he had one daughter, but he always, when he interacted with her, he did things that she wanted to do. And if you looked at, in our family scrapbook, there's pictures of our daughters playing all the sports and shooting guns, you know, and I, and I feel bad about that because it was always like, well, guys, I, I swear you're going to love this. You're going <laughs> to, it, it was never, what do you want to do? It's like, here's what you're going to love. You're going to love this. And, and luckily that most of them did, but I know that you've kind of done the same with your girls. They they're athletic. They I just saw something on the internet where one of your daughters was running like a gun shooting clinic or so so uh, tell, talk about how okay without any sons here's kind of what you did with your girls. Yeah, we you know I bought a ranch back in I think 1999 in South Texas and and so we had that and obviously going to that was you know a lot of what we did as a family after the football season and we'd spend some time down there and you know, they, they were, we always tried to expose them to different things. And, and, you know, my oldest really took to hunting and being outdoors and, and my next one, uh, Aubrey, she was our soccer player. Right. Uh, but, you know, she shot a doe one time and just was kind of like, and I, you know, I told her, I said, Hey, if you don't want to hunt, you don't have to hunt, you know, it's not going to change our relationship or anything. She was like, okay, I don't want to hunt, you know? <laughs> so we just tried to expose them to different things and, and they were all, you know, they played all different sports and, and tried everything and piano and dance and, and everything, you know? So, okay. uh, and then they're able to kind of morph into what they like. And, and I had, two cheerleaders, a soccer player, and Macy just kind of enjoyed being a homebody and, and doing a little bit of everything, but never really played a sport or cheered in high school or anything, but she was kind of there along for the ride. So, um, and that was okay, you know, so we didn't force them into, into having to stick with anything if they tried it and it wasn't for them. All right, let's move on and find something else. And Macy, you know, got her horseback riding lessons. So she really enjoyed that part. So, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think you have to expose kids to a lot of things and, and then they figure out what they really like and their interests will be, and then they work at it. I think that's great. A great parenting philosophy. And I love that to expose them to as many things as possible. And then, and, and you'll, well, I was going to say some of our children, it's very obvious what they're going to be good at from an early age. Right. Yeah. And, and others, it's a little bit harder to detect and you work with them and, and you kind of figure it out and you just described our family very well in terms of just a lot of eclectic type differences with all the kids. And yep. anyway, so Ty, how did you, I've heard this story, but it's, it, it would be fun to hear it from you in terms of how you end up at BYU. What happened? Well, like I said, I heard by a lot of people. There, there weren't many teams throwing the football and uh, I wasn't very big, wasn't very fast, couldn't run the option very well. So, uh, you know, I kind of started looking for a school that would fit me. And, and uh, you know, there was a handful that threw it a little bit. UCLA, Arizona State, Miami was throwing a little then. And, and but, 
you know, I'd, I'd seen BYU play and their offense was almost identical to what we ran in high school. A lot of the things that they did. So um, just kind of watching them and, and thinking, oh man, that would be cool to be able to play in that. And then you learn about the quarterback tradition and had some success in high school, which kind of opened that door. But um, we were able to take a, a family trip up there the summer before my senior year and just kind of fell in love with it, the mountains and the outdoors, you know, in Texas, everything's private land. So you right. can't just take off and go. You have to know somebody or, or have a boat and get out on a lake. And we didn't have a boat. So uh, <laughs> when I got up to BYU, it was like, yeah, you can just see that river right there. You can fish however far you want on it, you know, and, and go up in I the know. mountain, you know, shoot guns or rabbit hunt or whatever. And, and uh so I thought, man, this is this is pretty cool. And 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 then I get to throw the ball and be a part of uh the BYU quarterback tradition, hopefully. Well, that that was awesome. A great, a great cool experience for all of us to get to watch you, you know, in those days go through that. I still remember where I was when we were having kind of a dismal BYU season with quarterbacks in those late 80s, and someone said, Yeah, but there's this kid from Texas who's gonna be <laughs> awesome, you know, and that was uh and that proved to be prophetic, you know, so, and then the next question, and I'll, and I'll, I'll give you my experience on this from the other end. And just, you know, when we lived in Mesa, Arizona, I had the BYU Y flag hanging on our, out in front of our house, all football season. And I was the ward mission leader in our ward for a while in those days. And I don't even remember how this news got to me, knowing that we didn't have the internet in those days or instant information, but for all I knew, it was a rumor, but I announced it in church. So we, back in those days, we had priesthood opening exercises, as you remember. And uh, I was the ward mission leader. And when it was my turn to give an announcement, I said, I don't know if you guys know, but Ty Detmer's getting baptized tonight. Have no <laughs> idea how I knew that, but that was, yeah. and, uh, and it, that was like, in my mind, the coolest thing. And so tell us just a little bit. I think a lot of people don't know really how your conversion to the gospel of Jesus Christ started. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, I, you know, I had a couple of roommates that weren't members also, and and they kind of came in a little bit with the, they're not going to get me attitude. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, we didn't talk about it much as a family or my parents never really kind of, you know, said anything about, you know, don't, don't get involved in that cult or whatever, you know, um, <laughs> Uh, but so, you know, I kind of came up to school just, you know, treating people as people and, and that was kind of family motto, treat people like you want to be treated. And, and sure. so you know, I went to school, took the religion classes, but never really had a reason to really investigate the church. And, and, you know, I was watching from, from the back seat, watching how people live their lives and a lot of the things that went into to being a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but I never never really took the time to really dig in. And, uh, then, you know, as usually happens, you meet a girl and, uh, and, and then it became serious. Like, okay, I really need to find out what she believes in and she needs to find out what I believe in. And so, um, when I'm, I'd met Kim, we were friends for, you know, a few years before we ever started dating. Mm. Um, and, and so, uh, when we started dating knew it would be serious, you know, so I, uh, right. the discussions and, and just kind of dove in and, uh, really had a, a yearning to really learn what it was all about. And, and I'd already had a pretty good foundation and, and there were a lot of things that, that I felt like 
were the way it should be um, anyway right. from our family growing up and things like that. So as I took the discussions, it, it wasn't a big aha moment. You know, it was, I think, all those little things along the way and examples from other people that I was around. There were some people that weren't maybe doing what they were supposed to as members, but right. I knew people are people and people are going to make mistakes and, and not maybe live up to what they're supposed to be. Um, but for me, it was it was an easy transition. I didn't have to change a lot in my life to become a member. And, and I really, you know, kind of grew to appreciate the the things that, that went into being a member of the church. That's awesome, Ty. In fact, I, I grew up as a Southern Baptist in, in, in Houston, you know, and, uh, yep. and I love what you said, because uh, when I first uh, was being taught the gospel by the missionaries, I, remember thinking, well, I already, yeah, I believe that, or that's not hard for me to believe. And I, I kind of live my life this way anyway. And, and, uh, right. anyway, it sounds like you had an awesome, similar experience. How did your, how did your parents deal with it? Well, obviously back then we didn't have cell phones and I didn't keep in touch as well as I probably should have. <laughs> uh, so they were a little concerned, you know, just being a thousand miles from home and, and them not really understanding what the church was all about. And they had, a a family friend showing them some the god maker videos and you know kind of the negative stuff started coming down on them and and so right. to go home a, a month later or so a few weeks later and talk to them and just explain that you know i haven't seen a lot of those things and if if i did i wouldn't be a part of it and, and right. uh, assure them i wasn't leaving the family and, and all those kind of things you know like nothing's changed i just you know have a a bigger belief than maybe what I grew up with, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just added to some of the good things your parents taught you. So that's awesome. And so here's a, here's a, uh, this is going to be so hard. You could write a book on this, but I'm just curious how you would answer it. I just, I really believe that sports plays a key part in developing young, young men and young women that we learn great lessons uh, from being involved in sports in some way. And I don't know, once again, Ty, you could probably write a book on it, but in, in fact, I've even interviewed some of our BYU football guys over the years and just asked them what, what the difference, you know, what, what sports added to their life. If you, if you were going to give a talk on this somewhere or, or maybe write a book or a paper, what were, what would be a couple key points you would want people to know of? Here's what sports can do, especially for young men. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I relate a lot to football, although I played all the other sports. But, you know, for me, football was probably the, the greatest metaphor for life because, you know, you get tackled, you get knocked down, you get bumped and bruised and and uh, you got to learn to get back up and hang in there and, and keep fighting. And and so, you know, like you said, there's there's so many different angles or different things that can go into athletics for uh, young adults or, or young people to learn life lessons on, on how to overcome. Um, but, uh, for me, it's probably that one, you know, you're going to have some bad plays and it's okay to fail. It's okay to try something. And, and you know, you're going to fail, you know, as a, a baseball hitter, if, if you hit a third of every, you know, if you hit a third of the time, you're, you know, a multimillionaire. You're going uh, to the all-star game, right? <laughs> as a quarterback, if you're 60% passer, you're, you know, same thing. And, uh, and so it teaches you, you know, it's okay, you know, that play before, but now what are you going to do the next play? 
and how do you overcome, you know, a mistake and how do you overcome success, you know, by uh, hanging in there and learning humility and, and some of those things, the team aspect, hard work and, and, you know, doing something individually for a greater cause for the, for the team. So there's so many things that come with it. And, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that I had that opportunity as a kid because things happen after you get done playing in life that, uh, you know, you don't foresee coming and, and they hit you in the face and all right, you got to get back up and, and uh, keep going. So uh, that's, it's been great life lessons for me along the way. Uh, that's, that's a great lesson. I think a lot of us who watched you play, you know, one of the things that I loved about you is your passion and we don't have a lot of quarterbacks, you know, running up to someone who just caught a touchdown and headbutting them in the end zone and, and slapping their helmet so hard you break your finger or whatever. But, but I think part of, part of what I am going to, you know, assess from watching you tie do that was that you were such a, there was such a camaraderie with you and teammates as well that you, you could tell that you had a close relationship with the guys that you played with. And I'm sure you still keep in touch with those guys and are close today. Yeah, that's that's the part you miss when you get done playing is having those right. And you know, I saw Chris Smith and Tyler Anderson at the alumni game Saturday, and it was it's like old times. You know, you don't have to stay in touch. You know, even on a yearly basis, all the time. You know, to to when you get together, those same uh, you know feelings or emotions are there with those guys that it was like you were in the huddle. You know, just yesterday with them and. And so uh, those are those are the things you miss when you get done playing is the time with the guys. And you you know how close the relationship is, is when you don't see him for five or or 10 years and then you just pick up right where you left off. Right. I mean, it is <laughs> if you haven't you, you just saw each other yesterday, but it's been that long, you know, and I saw you and Chris Smith in that interview. And, and I know you probably hadn't seen each other in a while. And it was if you guys were. Just, just right back at it again. <laughs> yeah. he, told, he told you you gave him a, you caused him to get a kidney shot, and you said I'm going to give you a kidney shot right now. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was uh, awesome. It's uh that that's the part, like I said, that's that you can get together, and it's just like you were standing there, you know, back, and you were 22 years old again, you know. So, yeah, totally. Uh, it's always totally. fun to get. Guys. Ty, what did uh? Not 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 in a collective way, but what was your individual relationship with Lavelle Edwards like? Just you and him, because it almost felt like to a lot of us watching from afar that he really took you under his wing, you know. And I, I've only seen from you know a TV vantage point. I think Lavelle only get mad once, and it was the Texas A and M game when when I think they separated both of your your shoulders, and when he went out there at at to the end of the game to shake hands with that coach all of us who are watching from our mesa arizona home thought i wish we had a translator to hear what lavelle was saying is i think i think the texas a&m coach just got an earful but to I, think, you, I think it was more they ran up the score on us and had a uh, flea flicker okay. yeah but um you know lavelle was great he's the you know he was a perfect fit for me as a player because he was a lot like my dad where he didn't jump on you he allowed you to play allowed you to make mistakes allowed you to to recover from those um and you know at the time when when you're playing i didn't spend a lot of time in lavelle's office um uh, just you know i think 
I was doing the right thing. So I didn't have to spend a whole lot right. of time. Off of, um, but we would talk every now and then about team leadership and especially, you know, my sophomore year when, when he was like, all right, you're going to be the quarterback. And so we kind of talked about all that went into it and handling that situation. And, um, but then I think we, you know, we were close all the way along the way. And I love that guy, you know, and love playing for him. And then after you get done playing, it becomes a different relationship, you know, where you're an adult and he would check in all the time. Like, how's it going? How's the family? How's, how's all these things going for you in your life? And, uh, and then, you know, we could laugh and joke and have a good time on some of the quarterback cruises, where as a player is kind of still that coach player relationship. But, but when I got done playing, uh, you know, my wife and I really became a lot closer to he and Patty and, and, uh, enjoyed our time around them all the time because they were such good people it's uh you know it's that's incredible it's incredible ty i hear those stories a lot and just how he continued to keep in touch with players throughout his entire the rest of his life and and uh just it, he just was the master of building relationships with people and uh, it sounds like your dad was a lot like that as a coach as well and so how have how would you say let's do the trifecta of andy reed Lavelle Edwards and your dad, but how have they rubbed off on you as a coach? Yeah. Well, for Andy, he was in Green Bay with me and he was the tight end coach. So I didn't actually get coached by him, but I was at his house and he'd have us over and, and, uh, you know, have dinner and things like that, especially in the off season. So, but I've seen, you know, my brother played for him for 10 years and, uh, and I've just seen him, you know, how, he interacts with the players and, and I think they're all in the same mold that, you know, they, they're competitive. They're all want to win, uh, but they're able to keep things in check and, and keep them in perspective uh, with the grand scheme of things. And so um, all three of those guys, I think are, are people that care about their players. They, they really, you know, build that bond and that relationship but can still have the respect of the player and not become, you know, a friend so much um, as a mentor, um, as somebody you can go to and talk to and, and their doors always open. Um, you know, I, I know for my dad, he always had former players would call him. I'd be, you know, sitting in the truck with him and, Oh, this is so-and-so he played for me at central Catholic or, you know, that kind of thing. And right. And, Anytime you got a call from Lavelle made you feel special because you knew he had hundreds of other guys he was probably calling too, you know. And oh, yeah, you see Andy Reed, the love, his and respect his players have for him and, and how he does things. Uh, you know, it's just it, it goes to show you you can you can be competitive, you can you can coach guys hard, but you can also um, have a relationship with them and. So, you know, I try to have that same relationship with our players here in high school and, and uh, you know, that the time they're trying to decide to go on missions, where they're going to school, what, what their life plan is going to be at this age. And so it's fun to interact with them and, and to have some of those sidebar conversations that aren't just a player coach relationship. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I have no doubt that that's, that's how you would be with those young men that you're working with. And it must, it's, I've always said if I could do anything in the world, I would, I would be a high school baseball coach, and I would drive the bus. I'd drive the bus to all the games. I mean, if you could just hang out with, with that age group for the rest of your life, it'd be incredible, you know. So, I'm a misplaced BYU professor, but. 
I'm going to ask you one other question. I'm, I'm asking my questions a little out of order here, but it feels like this one fits perfectly. One of the things that impresses all of us about you, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to hide this. My son was good at saying, you ought to ask Ty about this when you <laughs> interview him. But he said, ask him about his humility and, and where that comes from, because he said, there's just not a lot of Heisman trophy guys that are just, very comfortable talking to everyone, hanging out with everyone, not really uh, recognizing or trying to demonstrate in any way how awesome or great they've been in their lives, but just just so humble and down to earth. What is, is tell us how that comes to you because you are that way. I mean, here you are talking to me today. Yeah, well, you can be talking I, to anybody. You could be talking to Dan Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Uh, I think my parents instilled that in us as kids early on. And um, especially my dad being a coach, it's like, it's the team. It's, you know, and, and I've learned that I grew to learn that as a quarterback, you know, it, it takes everybody. And I've been on teams where, man, it was tough to get a completion even because uh, maybe you didn't have the best supporting cast. And then I've been on teams where you're just up and down the field throwing a five-yard slant route and they're taking it for 60 yards and making you really good. So, uh, you know, it, it takes everybody. And, and as a quarterback, especially, I think you appreciate the guys around you blocking, uh, running routes, making your life uh, a lot easier. And so uh, I think my parents just installed or instilled that in us where um, – you know, you, you always give praise to everybody else. And, and uh, you know, as a quarterback, if you're winning, it's going to come to you. If you're losing, it's going to come to you. So, uh, you know, you don't <laughs> have to be out there looking for it <laughs> one way or the other. You see so many guys that do at times, and, and it's a turnoff for their teammates and things. And so um, I learned that early on and just how to – how to act, how to be a good teammate and, and uh, just keep your head down and, and keep working. Yeah. Do you feel that uh, you and Kim have taught that same value to your children? Was that, was there some deliberate teaching there on that or did it just kind of happen or what did you do with that idea of hu teaching humility? Um, yeah, I think uh, anytime they, you know, had success, you try to build them up, but at the same time, you also, you know, try to make sure they thank their coaches. They, thank their teammates, uh, those kind of things. Um, so that they learn and, and hopefully they're learning through example, you know, that, that, uh, you know, they, they see how things are supposed to be done. Hopefully they're seeing it the right way. Um, right. You know, so, um, uh, probably more so by example, but, um, and then, you know, I think my wife's really good at making sure they're, they're acting right and doing all the right things and, and, make sure that they treat people the right way as well. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Hi, another one uh, in your life. You've been so busy with, 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 you know, whether it was college BYU, whether it was the NFL or coaching. I mean, all of those, all of those endeavors take a lot of effort and time and they take a lot of effort and time away from the family. So how did you maintain as a, as kind of both as a husband and a father, to your daughters how did you balance that out with that with that busy schedule how did you preserve and maintain these relationships well the, the nice thing about the nfl is kind of a, a seven to five type of job so you can be home you can have family home evening you can you know do all the family things during the week still get to 
you know, activities and things. And then the off season, you know, we usually tried to have a family vacation and take them somewhere that they could, you know, we could all spend time together. And, and so my wife's really good at that too, making sure that, you know, I, I'm there for them and, and, uh, you know, cause you get pulled in different directions, asking to speak at different things and you got to go here and you got to go there. And so the time when you are home, you know, you still, I still enjoyed hunting and she was great kind of allowing that time away to still be able to get out and hunt and, um, and have some personal time, but, but also, um, around that was making sure we had family time and time together to spend with the girls, um, Cause it goes so fast, you know, and they grow up in a hurry. So, um, we tried to make sure we, we got quality family time in, um, in the off seasons for sure. So, um, coaching, you know, uh, especially at the college level, um, and you, you see it with some of the, a lot of the pro coaches, you know, they, they have trouble with, with kids and things cause you're gone so much and, right. and uh, tough balance, you know, even with Andy's boys have had some issues and, and, uh, you know, I, I think part of that's because you're gone and you're you're at the office till 10 o'clock at night and, and you miss some of that time. And and but kids are going to make their own choices regardless, mm-hmm. oh, no matter how much time you spend with them. But um, but it can be taxing and take time away. So as a player, it's a little easier and less time consuming than a coach, for sure. Right, right. Well, it sounds like you found you found those windows of time and you made it count, you know, with your family and with your wife and children and your daughters, especially. And so. So. So, Ty, what advice would you give to we'll always have LDS athletes in the NFL and in other professional sports. But what advice would you give those who may be leaving soon and to pursue those kind that kind of career who are good, faithful Latter-day Saints? who want to keep their marriage intact, who want to keep their family intact, but the environment kind of rubs against that a little bit. What, what advice would you have for any of those uh, young men or young women going into professional sports? How do they balance it all? Yeah. I think making sure your faith stays at the forefront of your family life. You know, um, like I said, for us, it was family home evening. I'd have a a calling, you know, young men or young women or something like that, um, wherever we were so that you could get there on a Wednesday evening to mutual. Um, and just, uh, you know, then when the off season hit, making sure you're attending meetings and, and that was one of the nice things, you know, having a family, wherever we moved, I mean, I played on six different teams, um, wherever we went, the church was always the same and it helped my family integrate into the community right away and find friends and, um, had a resource that we could go anywhere and it was always the same. And so, um, I would just, you know, tell them, you know, it, it helps keep things in perspective. And, and that's the one thing you always fall back on is your faith. And so keep that at the forefront, no matter where you're going or what you're doing and, and, uh, you'll be all right. You know? Oh, that's so awesome. Good advice. Good counsel time. You, you thought this moment wasn't going to come, but we actually are going to finish now with one, one last question. So, so I will share this with you. I, uh, I had a friend that I played sports with in high school and, and it, it was funny to me that whatever we were doing, he was always smiling. He had this smile on his face. If he was about to score, if he was about to do a layup and go right over the top of you, he was just grinning from ear to ear. You know, if uh, if it was football and he was about to tackle you in practice, he was smiling from, you know, from one end to the other. And uh, 
when I watched you uh, all those years, it was on television. We were in the stadium sometimes, but you know, you have a helmet on and, and of course where I would sit, it was quite, quite a ways away. So it wasn't until Friday where I was able to sit on the third or fourth row of the stadium and watch you in the alumni game. And I don't think you ever stopped smiling. I think every, if you saw someone that had a, 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 you know, a two foot window to complete a pass, you were smiling from ear to ear and it, it always comes uh, across to me. And I think to a lot of people that you're, you're a pretty happy person most of the time, I'm sure. And so the question is, is that in the world that we live in today with so many crazy things going on and it feels like the world's, you know, collapsing to some degree, how do you maintain that positive, happy uh, attitude and find the fun in life? Because I think you always have been able to, been able to do it. Yeah, uh, well, the coaches I work with here at, at ALA in Queen Creek uh, tell me I'm Ted Lasso. And so, <laughs> and, and you know, for me, it's like I choose to be positive. I choose to be happy. Now, there's, there's, we all have our moments, you know, but uh, sure. For me, I, I, you know, I've never been a negative person and just sit there and pout and mope. And it's like, you know, okay, well, what can we do to fix it? Well, you know, where are we going tomorrow? You know, not where we've been. And so um, I, I enjoy life. I enjoy being around people. I enjoy, um, you know, the things I'm doing generally. And, and even when they're not fun and it's work, you still have to have fun doing it or it'll be miserable. And so um, it's like I tell our coaches, like, we're going to have a good time coaching because we put enough time in and it can be miserable if you don't. And so um, we're going to get work done. We're going to take it serious, but we're going to enjoy doing it. And so um, for me and, and probably just the mentality of my parents, they, you know, they weren't people that sat around and moped and pouted, you know, um, they were doers. And so um, they kind of taught to, to be happy in, in what you're doing. Uh, I think that's great. That's a great philosophy and it's a great way to live. I continue to try to teach that in our family and and with, you know, in the calling that I serve in now that I still believe that we can have great happiness in this life and great joy, regardless of how crazy things become. If, if we have the gospel in our, in each other and our families. And I think you radiate that so well. So well, I appreciate it. Yeah, Ty, thank you. Thank you so much. We know that you're busy and there's a lot going on in your life. I'm sure you're going to go out and throw throw some passes today to get ready for the next alumni game. That's what no, a year from now, I think. I'm tired after that one. I, I did my time. <laughs> <laughs> you made your appearance. Hey, that was, that was awesome. Well, thank you once again, uh, Ty, so much for taking the time today and, and, and look forward to maybe talking to you again. There's a, there's another, uh, thought that I have that I would love to talk to you circle back with you sometime on on how to how do we how do we build young men and right. uh, you've been doing that for a long time so so once again thank you again well this has been awesome Ty meeting with you and you know once again for my takeaway and how do you just grab one lesson from our conversation today with Ty but at least one takeaway for me is relationships and how important relationships are and the impact and the influence we can have on so many people because of our relationships. And that's just not with family, but with friends. And you, you could see clearly in Ty's life how impactful other people have been and how much he's influenced others 
by having those strong relationships with them. And I think one of the ways that Ty has managed to do that come from a couple of things we talked about, you know, first his philosophy of always having fun and enjoying life. And if you can't have fun, then let's not do it. You know, let's, let's make this fun, whatever it is. And secondly, for sure, in my mind is, was his humility, you know, that, that because of Ty's Ty being so humble, I think people are, have been drawn to him because of that. He really doesn't think he's better than anyone else. And, and is very down to earth. I know that that was a teaching that was ingrained in him from his own family. And, and, and for many of us, we, we have felt the same way, just drawn to those who are down to earth. And so, you know, when it comes to let's do something, the invitation this week is to consider anything that you can do to strengthen a relationship with anyone, whatever you'd like to do, but, but consider how that could be done and what a difference that could make in that person's life, whether that means you may need to send a text or an email or a note or make a phone call or even a visit to someone. But whatever it takes to build and strengthen relationships, that's what this life is all about. And it's what we'll take with us when we go when we move on from this world to the next. Until next time, have a wonderful week.